Hello, Racer Nation. Welcome to the latest edition of your Racer Nation podcast. We've been playing basketball for 98 years in the finest place we know. We were entering a season unlike any before it. With a coach returning, 12 new players, and an entrance into a brand new conference, a lot has changed, but one thing has remained the same. The drive, the determination, and the dream to cut down the nets in March. It's time to break out the Navy in gold, crank up the Racer Anthem, and fill up the CFSB Center because the March to Madness has begun. This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Welcome back, Racer Nation, episode 34 of the Racer Nation podcast. Uh, we're super excited to be back with you this week. Myself, Austin Blakely, Sawyer Lawson, Logan Foster. We're here to talk some racer basketball. Uh, we're coming off uh, the first game of the year, and unfortunately the racers are not going to go undefeated this year. I, I know we all had high hopes to, to start off the second pre-Steve Promare the, the same way the first one kicked off uh, with 23 in a row and a top 10 ranking. But uh, guys, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have that, the storybook of, of the second time around. But uh, wow, what a what a tough game on, on Monday night up here in St. Louis. And we'll get into that. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode to, to get through today. We're, like we said, breaking down the St. Louis game, talking a little bit about Lindsey Wilson uh, coming up Saturday night at the bank, first home game of the year. And then the long-awaited return of one of the best segments of the Racer Nation podcast, Saw Selection. So stick around for the whole episode. We've got got a treat for you guys. But um, Logan Sawyer, we'll go ahead and bring you guys in now. Just general comments from the game Monday night. We'll just get right into it, what you guys thought. Uh, I know there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of positives, uh, probably some more negatives from the game. As, uh, there, there's a lot that there is to break down and, and really the first time we saw this team up against uh, a pretty formidable formidable opponent in St. Louis. So um, I was there in person. I can talk about that here in a little bit, but you guys just seeing the product on TV, what are your thoughts uh, overall of the game? Yeah, it was tough. It's something that, you know, we're just going to have to get used to these growing pains that these kids are going to have to endure and uh, the fans are going to have to ride with them through the first of the season um last night wasn't fun i was uh probably most of the second half was laying face down into my couch uh and that's no joke my my girlfriend walked in and said what are you doing and then looked at the score and said oh i'm sorry and just kind of walked away and that's just kind of how the night went but as we previewed last week st louis is really really good they proved it last night you can tell they've been playing together for a long time. And I had this thought today. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, guys. But I'm not sure if we have Tevin and KJ and Juice and Trey, if we go in there and win that game last night. That team is that good. I mean, Yuri Collins, we didn't even talk about Thatch last week. And he was a matchup problem for us. They've just... They've got good, good players at every position. They've got depth, um, a good coach, just really tough way for us to start the season. Um, just hope our guys have a short, uh, short memory and can forget that and, and move on to next week because, like we talked about last week, another big game, another big one we got to show up for. Yeah, Logan, I really like what Coach Prome said after the game when he really – uh, summarize this this matchup by just saying that 
this is the type of opponent that you're going to see every single night, night in and night out when you go in and play in the Missouri Valley Conference. When you're taking a step up in competition, this is what you're going to be expecting. You know, going into hostile environments, um, playing teams that are veteran uh, laden, um, that have a lot of guys that have are are, are really really good NBA style guys that are going to outmatch you physically uh, and sometimes from a skill ways. So um, St. Louis is definitely an outlier. You know, they're ranked in the are almost on the being ranked in the top 25. They're on the cusp of being ranked in the top 25. Uh, we probably won't see that in the Valley, um, but just that type of matchup um, is what you can expect to see uh, whenever you go and play uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference, not what we're expected. We had been expecting to see in the Ohio Valley Conference this year. And guys, I'll disagree. I would disagree with you there, Sawyer, and I'll disagree with Coach Prome. Probably not a good way to start first game of the year, and I'm already disagreeing with the coach. So cut me some slack, Racer Nation, there. But, um, you know, his, his comment about this is what you see every night in the Valley. I don't think that's an accurate statement. This this St. Louis team is, if they're not ranked this year, they're going to be right there receiving votes every single week. If they're not in the tournament, I'm going to be shocked. Now, that's not barring an injury, which we kind of saw with Yuri Collins going down there for about three minutes in the second half. And they looked a little scattered when that happened. Uh, so they're very led from the point guard, like, like every – most teams, especially mid-major teams and, and high mid-major teams like St. Louis, and we were last year in the John Murray years, they're, they're, they're propelled from the point guard position. But um, I don't think we see another team. I mean, I know we're going to talk about probably Texas A&M next episode, but I think we can probably count on one hand how many teams of this caliber we see this year. So I think that's one thing that, that surprises us. And, and look at some of the stats, you know, the big glaring hole for me, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that, is the rebounding stat. Now, as I was sitting there watching the game, I'm like, man, these offensive rebounds are killing us. They beat us 16-9 to on the offensive boards. And we didn't really get the that bad on second chance points, 19-12. to But I thought those 19 really came at some really inopportune times for the racers. And it seemed like they just stung a lot more. But, but from their side, they got Javante Perkins back off of injury. We kind of highlighted him last week. He goes for 21 to lead them, uh, four of 10 from three, six of 14 from the field, five of six from the three free throw line. He, he was a really big bright spot for them. Uh, Javon Pickett, the transfer from Missouri, we talked about. Um, he was a bright spot. Gibson Jimerson really can shoot the ball well. He had 20. Uh, the biggest stat that, that came out to me, Yuri Collins, 14 assists and zero turnovers. How impressive, how impressive is that from the point guard position? He led the NCAA in assists per game last year and starting off with 14 he's well on his way to doing that again uh reminded me of i hate to say it but some of the passes he were making he was making reminded me of a guy who wore number 12 for the racers just a few years ago yeah and uh to add to that point we did not move the ball well at all last night and you can see it in the stats yuri had twice as many assists as our entire team did that's pretty eye-opening you know, they put the little graphic up at halftime of uh, the first half stats. That was one thing that stuck out to me, not just the assists, but we lost every stat in the first half. And I'm sure we probably weren't that much better in the second half. But, um, yeah, Yuri, you could just tell the announcers brought it up multiple times. Very relaxed, controlled. Uh, he seemed to be going in slow motion, but uh, – we it seemed like our players just couldn't help but watch him and we lost track of where everybody else was on the court and therefore a lot of wide open shots 
Yeah, just without getting too technical, it just seemed like we were playing so loosely on our ball screens. Like any any type of ball screen defense, we were just hedging off of everything and, and sagging below everything, which, Logan, to your point, that's going to make Yuri Collins extremely comfortable. It allows him to dictate anywhere he wants to go on the court and be able to pass it and set up plays however he wants. And I know that's one thing that Coach Prom also addressed post-game is that we've got to get that fixed. But for me, you know – you know, I really think that this game is really like an Occam's razor type theology of the simplest answer is probably the correctest answer in this situation. And, you know, everything that went wrong, every stat that you can point out in the box store, you can every piece of every stat that you can look to as a negative that can be brought back in the stu- in the in the box score can be brought back to one area. And that's just we're not playing as a team right now. Um, we have to just go through these bumps and lumps and bruises to be able to get us where we want to go come March. And and St. Louis is a great team. I think you guys might be a little higher on them than I am, but um, they're really, really sound and veteran-laden team. Um, but we've got to go through these types of games to be able to get us where we want to go. Um, it seemed like there was a lack of communication on defense at times. Austin, you were there. You could probably be able to attest to that. I think you mentioned that in our group text. Wasn't a lot of communication going on. The same can be said on offense. It's not playing well as a team, but that's to be expected. I mean, we're a brand-new team, um, four brand-new starters to the program. Um, you know, out of the players that played, you know, only DJ had come back. We're all playing fresh as a brand-new team. It's going to take some time. But to me, that's the simplest answer is just we're not playing together as a team just yet. Guys, if you think about it, only four players on our team have played Division One basketball in the past. So for 75% of our roster, this was their first Division One basketball game in a hostile environment of close to 8,000 in St. Louis. There, And that's something I was going to talk about. The atmosphere was awesome for the first night of college basketball. That that really got the juices flowing, just being back in the college basketball atmosphere. And they've got a they've got a really great arena there. But um, all this was new to to a lot of them. And uh, it was a reality check, no doubt. But uh, I think good for them and will be grow a good growing pain, like you said, Sawyer. And I kind of mentioned in a tweet last night that, you know, the last time we came up to St. Louis and got beat, uh, we ended up in the NCAA tournament that year. Now we had John Morant and Jonathan Sark on the team. I, I don't know if uh, those guys are walking through the door anytime soon, but uh, I think it's okay to to pump the brakes on on the showing on Monday night. And, uh, you know, not like you said, I don't have all the philosophy that Sawyer pulled out, but don't read too much into this first game. Uh, I think we will be A-OK. I told some St. Louis fans as I was walking out that, hey, I hope you guys go off and win every other game the rest of the year. But uh, and that's going to make us look really good uh, come tournament time, hopefully. But I mean, it's going to be interesting how we stack up. They have Evansville this Saturday night. They play Drake. Uh, they also play SIU in the non-conference. So those are all at St. Louis. So hopefully I can make a couple of those. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds. And I know we're going to talk about that as we get into the Lindsey Wilson preview. But Austin, I love your point there about how we have so many brand new players that are new to Division One basketball. But even the players that are coming from other Division One schools, you look at Jacoby, he averaged, what, 10 minutes a game last year? He pretty much played hardly at all you look at Rob Perry he came off an injury and also Kenny White Jr. had an injury last year these are three guys that were in our starting lineup that didn't play typical full strength full game college basketball at division at the division one level even last year so to your point 
you know, I was thinking about that this week. We should, probably should have brought that up earlier in the season to kind of temper expectations, but that's an added piece to it. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. And our guys are just going to have to get back to accustomed to playing Division One basketball, and it's going to take a minute. So um, St. Louis, obviously a tough test. Logan, like you said last week, um, really tough draw right out of the gate. I uh, wish we could play them again maybe in the middle of December. Uh, I think it could be a little bit of a different story, but ultimately – Got to stick our feet to the fire, get us going. Like Coach Prome said, um, this is what we needed. Kind of need to be humbled a little bit when you're playing each other in practice all the time. You can kind of get pretty good uh, picking on the, some of the guys on the bench. And when you know each other's plays, it's easy to look really good. Uh, but when you go out there and, and, and stack up against the top 25 team, you kind of can see where you're at. I think there's a lot of fire under this team. And I think that we'll see a totally different team on Saturday night versus Lindsey Wilson. Uh, and I think we'll see a very inspired team next Thursday versus Texas A&M. Yeah, and Sawyer, one thing you mentioned is how we're going to grow throughout the year. One thing I hate about college basketball and uh, you know going into tournament time is they have to look at your whole body of work. And I hope I hope we are in the position to where we are in the conversation to be the be in the NCAA tournament. But we are really at a disadvantage this year because we are going to be a totally different team in February and March. And so, um. One thing I, I this is kind of weird. This is a, a brand new season of the Racer Nation podcast, and I'm actually taking notes this year. So I actually wrote some things down during the game last night, and uh, it pained me to wrote to write this, but I said that St. Louis was playing racer basketball, and they were they were getting up and down, creating open shots for each other, facilitating really well. Yuri was, and just finding the open man. They're getting out in transition. It, it hurt, but they played racer basketball really well. And so um, if I can go back to touching on our defense a little bit more, I also wrote down that our defense was horrible. Um, I, I don't I don't think that could – Coach Prome would agree with me um, if he's listening to this. But Sawyer, back to your point earlier, we did not defend a pick and roll at all last night. Anytime – we tried to switch or whatever. Yuri was finding whoever he wanted, wherever he wanted. And um, it, it wasn't like he was even getting into the paint all that much. He was using his, using his eyes to move our defense and then just making the open pass. And I don't know. Um, that, we were getting backdoored. Just a lot of sloppy, sloppy plays to clean up. Yeah, I agree. The the the, the- the text that I sent you guys that kind of irked me the most was like, hey, we get a guy from Belmont and Jacoby who has made a living making backdoor cuts um, for the race, for the for the Bruins in the past. And what do we see him do? Get back cut right out of the gate. So that was frustrating to see. But a lot of that, like I mentioned, is a lot of is, is all about playing team defense. Um, it's just going to take some time to get there. And um, I think that we'll look back on this game. And, and that's that's one thing I want to point out from the beginning is that. This year is so different than any racer basketball season we've had over the past 10 to 15 years, just back to Coach Kennedy took over, and that we're going to have to sit back, be patient, and really enjoy the journey because 
I think that when we get to the end of December or the end of end of December and then the end of February, that the joy we'll have with seeing the the from the starting point from in the the, the pit of the valley to the top of the mountain where we hope to go, um, we'll be able to see so much growth. This will be such a fun podcast to do for all of us because we'll be able to talk about how we're growing throughout the process. So, um, and it'll be really fun for us to see as fans and us to fall in love with this team and to watch them as they grow. Um, but but I agree a hundred percent. Um, like, like what coach Prome said, and, and Austin, like you said, I, I really didn't like more, more, uh, disagreement on the podcast. I really didn't like you comparing Yuri to number 12. Um, that kind of makes me mad a little bit, but I can see where you're coming from, but I love the stat that Kenny pulled out, um, pregame was that, um, Yuri Collins had the most assists in school history last year and jaw had, 60 or 70 more whenever he was a sophomore at Murray State. So Yuri Collins is a great player, but John Morant still a totally different level. I never thought I'd be the peacemaker out of all of us, but here we go. Um, one thing that stuck out to me, and this is the last point I'll make, is uh, basically our defense that we were playing versus their defense. And I think part of the reason they were able to play such good defense, or it looked that way, was – we just ran a lot of ISO. Like it was just one-on-one and not too many sets were called. I don't know if our guys don't feel comfortable running sets yet, or if uh, we didn't want to give that much up early in the season, wanted to see who wanted to go out there and play basketball and, and just kind of take charge. But for whatever reason, um, we look very, very unorganized. It kind of reminded me of the racers a couple of years ago where, um, you just dribble around and get late in the shot clock and somebody has to go and make a play. But when you're going against a team that is as big and physical as St. Louis and a veteran led team that communicates well, they're not going to get out of position like we did. And you can do it against Brescia, but when you've got these guys playing really good help defense, uh, like St. Louis did, it's really hard to play one-on-one basketball, especially at Austin, like you said, the high mid-major level. Yeah, Logan, just way too many slot-to-slot passing, not a lot of cutting, uh, trying to get the ball inside, um, and and not using when we go inside to create things on the outside. Um, and and like you, like what Ryan mentioned on Twitter to us, um, we only had seven assists, like you brought up earlier, how Collins had double our assists as a team is that you're not going to have many assists when you're playing isolation basketball. Um, so it was really frustrating, I guess, to see from that side. But then again, we've still got to learn to grow as a team together to play offense uh, the way that and to get out and run in transition like we like we have been accustomed to with our patented racer basketball. Yeah, not not to beat a dead horse. We've talked about it at, at, at nauseum now, it seems like. But OK, never mind. I can't I can't phrase that. We, we got to cut out the beat. <laughs> I know we lost by 23 last night. I'm going to say that we actually lost by 16 because it was never really all that close, especially in the second half. But we didn't lose by 20 something points. I didn't feel like. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good point, Logan. I, I should d- definitely be careful how I how I phrase my transitions. But uh, you know, one thing that was noted is is as much as the St. Louis team had played together last year, they also took their um, overseas trip this summer. So that's another four to six game. I, I don't remember exactly what it's like, but there's more games. Just to add on to that, and last point I was gonna make is. 
This reminds me of a game we played about six years ago, the 2014-2015 season. We played, you guys will remember it, in the Music City Invitational. And we took upon, we took uh, up against a, a very good Valparaiso team, and they beat us 93 to 58. And I think if we had that, if we had this podcast back then, we would have been really down on the racers. And the racers had high expectations that year with with a potential lottery pick, but we did not look and did not play racer basketball that game. And I was trying to think back of the last game we really got beat like we did last night, where. It, didn't look like we had an even chance to hang in there. And this was the game I went back to. And and what did we do after that Valpo loss? Uh, we played Drake the very next night and won a tough game and then just proceeded to win 25 in a row. And I'm not going to say this team's going to win 25 in a row, but we can see the growth from that team that I hope we see in this team going forward. So not to just harp on the negatives. I think there were a lot of positives that we can also take out of Monday night. Uh, as as we had a couple players that really showed out and played really good, stepped up to the task and and really played as advertised. Uh, that's going to be Jamari Smith. He he looked really good with 19 points. I thought Kenny White made some really good plays. Kenny White Jr. made some good plays. And guys, we started off on a nine to two run. Uh, we were up nine to two in the game, and you know we looked like we belonged there for a little bit. And you could see the belief starting to take take hold and then uh you know i think we kind of got wore out towards the end of the first half and stuff like that but um i think a lot of positives to talk about too out of the st louis game yeah there were quite a few positives that we could draw from what we saw last night and and logan kind of like kind of branching off of what you mentioned earlier there's a lot of isolation basketball it seemed like in the first half when we needed a bucket and the shot clock was running down kenny white jr kind of took off and, and went to the basket and and was able to to beat his man off the dribble a couple times to score around the rim the same could be said about quincy anderson i think that was kind of a question mark is how he would be able to to penetrate and drive on bigger guards and he looked really comfortable doing so and and quite frankly, kind of schooled Gibson Jimerson a couple times. So uh was really comfortable seeing that from him. Um, Austin, like you mentioned, Jamari is really going to be a guy who can stretch the floor for us. I think that seeing that in action against someone of uh, Okoro's uh, stature, who was matched up with a couple times, uh, was really something that I thought was a positive. Um, <clears throat> team rebounding still is going to be an issue um, that we've got to sort out. Going down the, the stat sheet here, we can't have any more nights where DJ Burns and Jacoby Wood go two for 16 combined. That just that just cannot happen. But where those shots should come from is somebody like Rob Perry and Jamari Smith, who were both uh, who shot about 50 percent from the floor. So I uh, was really encouraged by both of those guys. Rob Perry for me, uh, Logan, I'll swing it to you to talk about him a little bit, was a fantastic scorer. Like we mentioned, he felt, he looks so fluid and I can see that he's going to be our go to guy uh, when the when, when it's crunch time um, down the stretch. Yeah, we were talking after the game, and one of the positives was that even though, especially in the second half, we weren't really in the game, uh, I don't think there was ever really, and it was never really in doubt that St. Louis was going to win, especially um, once Yuri came back, but we had some guys that just wouldn't give up. And then you bring some guys in off the bench, uh, Brian Moore uh, brought a lot of fight, and I just love his aggressiveness. Um, I think in the game against Brescia, he missed his first couple shots, and that didn't deter him. He ended up attacking the rack a lot more and getting into double figures. And I think having him off the bench, uh, which we talked about it in our group text last night, but he's going to be hard to keep off the floor. Um, 
just so quick and and fast and I really love Brian Moore. Uh, I'm his new Stan account, I guess. But uh, Rob Perry, he was a dog. Um, thinking back to this summer, watching him and DJ yell at each other on opposite teams in those scrimmages, and they're calling each other wolves. But even whenever St. Louis would go down and hit a big three, Rob Perry was down at the other end ready to fire. He had a couple big threes, including a nice step back. Uh, you could just tell, like we talked about in the roster breakdown, he's a scorer and uh, a gamer, whether he's going to be in uh, Chaffetz Arena or the YMCA here in 15 years. This guy's just going to bring it and score. Quincy Anderson, like you said, Sawyer, he was really getting to the basket, and you're going to kill me for uh, making these references, but he's a lefty-like campaign. He was kind of going up under people and scoring, uh, just kind of kissing it off the glass. And it's kind of like, how are they not blocking these shots? And he still gets them off and finds a way to score. Love that about Quincy. Um, That was the real encouraging thing about last night. And I think you come away from that saying, okay, Jacoby can score, but he didn't. Um, Had a really rough night. DJ, he's going to give you six to ten points per night. Last night he gave us six. I was impressed that he hit four out of four free throws. Love that. Um, but he could have had a whole lot more. Uh, a lot of missed shot opportunities and didn't really finish well around the basket. So um, a lot of opportunities for growth. And you have to think if those guys could drop a few more shots. Jacoby had a lot of open threes. A few more of those drop, we're, we're back in that game and – going into the, the last media timeout or so, we have a chance to close up and, and win the game. So uh, just a few missed breaks here and there that once our guys get more comfortable, play more than 10 minutes a game, Sawyer, as you said, um, those shots are going to start falling. So as we keep saying, racer fans, be patient. A couple of things I, I noted is I, I always like to look at the plus minus part of the box score and, and you got a guy like Jamari Smith who just battled, 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 and played played a lot of minutes, 27 minutes, which was fourth most on the team. And he was only minus one in a 23-point loss, which was super impressive. Um, our guy Justin Morgan didn't impact a lot in the stat sheet, but he was the only guy with a positive plus-minus with plus five. Uh, so he was in kind of when we made that run to cut it from 19-20 uh, down to 11 there in the second half when it started to look like uh, some shots were starting to fall. And then obviously St. Louis responded pretty well right there was three threes in a row to push it right back to 20. But um, he he was plus in the box score, but I think it's going to be interesting. Something guys for us to, to, to go look at going forward. Uh, Really only seven guys played. And I know that's kind of the history of Steve Prome. He does not go very deep in his bench, but what do you guys think? And Sawyer, I'll, I'll send it to, to you for, to answer this one. But do you think he's going to have to go deeper than seven? I mean, you got a guy like Sam Murray who didn't see a lot of time, which I don't know if he's still kind of dealing with the ankle that, that he rolled during the Brescia game. But he's a guy that we thought would see a lot of time down low. Um, you know, Marlon, he didn't get a lot of playing time. And a lot of four and even five guard sets sometimes for the racers. So, how do you, you think it's going to that seven's going to be a solid number or obviously the Saturday night is going to expand and everybody's probably going to play. But um, as we get farther in the season, what are your thoughts on that? I think that I think that you're probably 
correct. I think that it's probably is going to stay around seven. Um, and it'll go to eight only if we have to play with two bigs, because I think that we're going to play with the four guard, four guard lineup more times than we aren't, uh, which is going to keep our rotation limited to seven. You got the Kenny White, Jamari, DJ, Rob, Jacoby, Quincy, and Brian. And that's, so I think we're probably going to roll with more times than not. Um, and that doesn't mean that Justin Morgan's not going to have a game where he pops in and gets 12 to 15. Um, it can really progress progress throughout the season and get him on a trajectory where he can see more minutes. But I think initially for the next couple of weeks, it probably will be pretty limited to, to those seven guys. When we go up against Texas A&M's of the world, we're probably going to have to lean more heavily on the front court. But uh, so there's, there's where Sam and, and Marlon might get a little bit more time, but I really do think that, that I agree with you there with the sticking to seven Logan. All right, guys, I'm going to disagree for once. Um, I think once we get to the MTE, we're going to see a few more guys enter the rotation. And uh, that's going to be a temporary thing. As we know, Coach Prime likes to run pretty tight rotations. But uh, usually that time of year, uh, still don't have that set in stone. Still want to give some guys minutes. And I think if we start off on the wrong foot against Texas A&M, Coach Pro may look to switch things up a little bit and, uh, you know, give somebody else a chance off the bench in the second or third game um, or just kind of try a different look. It's a long season, and that's right before the Missouri Valley season starts, too. So um, trying to get some more looks and get a feel for who plays well with each other and uh, how these different rotations respond. So I'm going to politely disagree. Is politely a word? Oh uh, yeah, it can be. It can be on this podcast at least. We just we just make up the rules as we go. But guys, okay, you can, let's keep it, let's keep this in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you can really tell that uh, you know we're we're over a season in this podcast, and we've disagreed more on this episode than we ever have. So uh, I don't know what that says about about the state of of our minds right now, but um, it's uh, let's let's just hope we get back to uh, all being on the same page as this uh, as this podcast rolls through the rest of the season but um, I think we'll kind of wrap up the basketball portion of the St. Louis trip for for me at least uh, last thing I, I do want to say is it just kind of had a big game feel and one thing that was refreshing and at first I was kind of like complaining against it as is there were like it seemed like three fouls called the entire first 10 minutes of the game. St. Louis didn't commit their first foul until uh, nine minutes and 56 seconds to go, I believe, in the first half. And I was like, man, this is crazy. How can they not foul? But but looking back, I think that's the best thing that could have happened for us And because that is what you get when you get into the NCAA tournament. It's not the ticky-tack fouls that, that you're going to get. Um, in the OVC and one thing that I've always said kind of hurt us when we got to those bigger time games so I was really glad how the how the game was officiated uh, like I said the crowd was great um, really appreciate all the all the racer nation that came out to the game uh, everywhere I looked there was blue and gold uh, there was a lot of St. Louis fans and, and a lot of Murray State fans as well shout out to the Alumni Association for their pregame event I got to check it out over there and had some Really cool conversations with our friends from uh, the Alumni Association, uh, Miss Carrie McGinnis. She was on our podcast last year, and and it was awesome catching back up with her. I uh, got to talk to a couple of our folks from the athletic department to make sure we stay in good graces with them and we don't get in trouble here on the podcast. So uh, all in all, successful trip for, uh, for, for Racer Nation at the St. Louis game. 
And fellas, before we before we wrap up St. Louis, one thing I thought might be kind of cool to do, um, you know, we've talked a lot, the positives, the negatives. Logan and I pumped up SLU. We try to, you know, talk about the positives uh, from from Murray State standpoint, but I think it's kind of interesting, you know, given our expectations for the team and, and what we wanted to see and were expecting to see. What grade would you give? the racers uh, game one against St. Louis or we don't have to do that at all. If we're all going to give them F's. I wouldn't give them an F. Um, I, I think the, the tough part right now is that we're just not a team. We're just a, we, we've got good individual basketball players and we're in the process of making a team trying to, Keep in mind, you know, our situation along with going to uh, who I a team that I think is a top 25 team. I would give us a C minus for last night. Definitely a lot to to work on, but not that bad. Um, basically, a lot like me coming into these podcasts, not really ready, but going to go in and kind of give it my best shot. I am not kidding at all. As soon as you posed this question, which was out of the blue, we were not prepared. My mind went straight to C minus. And so I agree with you, Logan, there. We've disagreed more than we ever have before, so we can agree on one thing. Uh, I agree for all the same reasons. We just got to get it get it to, uh, to a position where we can put it all together. We've got the pieces. It's just time to assemble those pieces and put it together. Logan, like you mentioned, I would also rate myself a C minus passing but not great on season two thus far um so me and the racers are 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 two peas in a pod there well guys i was always told c's get degrees but c's probably don't win championships so hopefully we will see as we go through the semester the proverbial semester we will see our our grades grow up to the a a plus c literally stands for championship come on oh yeah good point there good point there mvc uh, so we can put the championship in that. Speaking of the NBC, set in the same row as Commissioner Jackson last night. So I thought that was cool. Uh, declined to come on the podcast tonight, but, you know, we understand. Uh, quick turnaround. So, And as we put to bed that St. Louis game now, let's go ahead and switch over to hopefully will be more pleasant talk, uh, which will be our Saturday night game. Hopefully gets us back to 500 on the year. All the way from Columbia, Kentucky, we've got Lindsey Wilson coming into the bank. I don't think anybody on this podcast is going to call an upset for the racers. Uh, you know, just looking at Lindsey Wilson's schedule this year, they, they're already 2-1. and one, So, you know, they've got a, they've got a win, winning record already. But they lost 85-71 to 71 on Halloween night, October 31st to Brescia. And as you guys know, Logan, you were so close and calling that Brescia game. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but got a lot of tweets and a lot of people uh, texting us about how, how your prediction of the Brescia game was so close. But um, Lindsey Wilson's already already lost to Brescia 85-71. to 71. So if that's any indication on uh, how Saturday night's going to go, what's your what's your guess for, for the score? Then what, what, Tell us what we should look forward to on Saturday night. Our listeners know that I wouldn't lie to them, and I'm not going to lie now. I have not looked into a single thing uh, about this Lindsey Wilson squad, and I don't plan to. Um, I just am going to channel my inner Lostradamus and 
think of what the final score is going to be, and that's going to be close enough for me. So uh, I think the racers come out mad on Saturday night. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be in attendance, but I hope so. Hope I get to come see them uh, put on a show, watch Rod get back in the game, and and show out for the fans. Um, Coach Prome, we need to to name the student section the Rod Squad. By the way, uh, trying to get that game that thing going. Um, but final score Saturday night is going to be 104 to 68, classic 36 point victory. I like it. I like it. I, I thought you might give us at least 40 like he did against Brescia, but, you know, maybe maybe we'll get some more guys in earlier this time. So keeps it around that 36 point mark. So go ahead and book it, guys. You heard it here from from Logan. 36 point victory. Now, Sawyer, I know you you've done a little bit more maybe looking into Lin, Lindsey Wilson and uh, at least more than what Logan's done. So. Uh, what what do you think? I, I know we're probably not going to expect much, but it looks like they've got a you know a couple senior guards that that lead their team. Yeah, literally the only thing you need to know is the guy um, who shares the same last name as the greatest basketball player of all time. That's Michael Jordan, and this is Elijah Jordan. So uh, won't be easy, won't be hard to spot him. He's scoring a ton, and their last game he had almost thirty. Um, that's really all you need to know. A uh, guy who D1 transfer from University of New Hampshire, Orlando, Florida native. A good chance he and he and Rob Perry might know each other. Um, so that could be pretty fun uh, if that's the case. Um, but all you need to know is if your last name is Jordan, you're probably really good at basketball. So therefore, Mr. Elijah Jordan is the only thing to, watch, to look out for. I'm going to make a, a score prediction as well. And Austin, I want you to feel free to do so, too. Um, I'm going to say make it nice and even 105 to 55, 50 point win. Get to, get to hear the racer band say up by 50. Um, so we'll see. All right. I like it. I think I'm more in tune with you, Sawyer. I think we'll see it stretched out. I'll give the racers a little more credit. Like you said, they're going to come out mad. I think what I want to see from the racers in this game is, is to run a little bit more offense. I think that's something we didn't see even from the Brescia game. And, and maybe that's not going to be our game this year. Uh, like it has been in the past, but Run through the sets. Don't don't settle for for bad shots. Let's see kind of what it looks like when we get the ball into Jamari, or uh, when when what it looks like to swing it around and and have all five players touch the ball before before a shot goes up. So if you can practice it against other teams and you're not just doing it in, against each other in practice, but take this as an opportunity to to have some fun and let loose, but also also treat it as another practice or another scrimmage, uh, even though it is a really a real game. So um, let me go. I like I said, I think I think we we come out mad. Give me one ten to uh, give me one ten to sixty two. I can't do the math on what that is, so one of you bankers can hop in and, and tell me that. But that's um, like seventy points. That's a lot of points, but I I like that. I like that a lot. And as we're sitting here, I literally just told the listeners that I wouldn't lie to them. And it kind of occurred to me that I mentioned like last week that I was going to come more prepared to these podcasts. And I I lasted to the first week of the season, guys. But luckily for you guys, Sawyer and Austin are always over prepared. And so they can kind of cancel me out. So uh, it even though we disagreed a lot on this podcast, we still got a little, little balance, a little cohesion going. 
It's so funny you say that because for me, my goal this year is to prepare a little less because I've been literally so nervous for season two. Season one, I was just all jacked, and now I can't even speak straight. So um, it's so funny how Logan's going to be more prepared. I'm intentionally trying to be less prepared. Uh, so it should make for an awesome season regardless. Well, guys, that's why we all fit well together, and I think this thing works and, and the people like it. But I, I hope nobody was expecting a ton of Lindsey Wilson talk. Uh, not that we want to overlook them, but we've got bigger mountains to climb in the days to come. Uh, but let's just hope that the fans show up Saturday night. I know it's going to be a little chilly, but uh, I guarantee you Nico and the crew will have the heater on in the CFSB Center to keep us all warm. And, and hopefully, uh, not to be cliche, but the racers have the nets on fire with their shooting. So, Okay, that's enough talk about, about basketball, about this year's team. and. Uh, we're going to next week, we're going to try to do an earlier episode. I think we're going to try to record on Monday. So you'll get some Lindsey Wilson talk, but we'll focus a lot more next week on the, the MTE in, in South Carolina. I know folks are excited to go out there and spend the week before Thanksgiving uh, playing some really tough basketballs. So we'll talk about about that next week. Now, the exciting return of, of something that I've I've been ready to do all year long. Um, all season long. I know we're only four episodes in, but this is one of my favorite discussion points on the Racer Nation podcast because he always comes up with something new, uh, an interesting topic and a topic that everybody can get involved with. So really excited about that. Sawyer, I'm going to turn it over to you for season two's first Saul selection. All right, let's dive into it. Um, before we get started, this is a discussion that Logan Austin and I have, but it's a discussion that we want to extend to the rest of Racer Nation as well. So feel free to to message us on Twitter, um, add us on Twitter to tell us what your thoughts may be about this as well. So this is an open discussion for all of Racer Nation. But for our inaugural uh, Season 2 Saw Selection, my question is is based on this. So over the, the history of, of Racer Basketball, we've been blessed with so many tremendous players so much tremendous talent and so many key attributes that make them so special. So with that being said, if you could give one attribute from from a one former racer player throughout all of racer history, John Morant excluded, to a player, a single player on this year's roster, what would that single attribute be and why? Uh, Austin Logan, who would like to go first? I thought of two and I think they're both pretty obvious. And so I want to hear your thoughts first from both of you. Um, and hopefully I'll have one remaining after you guys give your thoughts. Okay. Okay. I'll go ahead and kick it off. And this was a, uh, I guess, what do they call it? Recency bias, right? So something we struggled with last night and what else do we need on this year's basketball team than front court players? Right. And so, I was thinking about all the great front court players we had, um, but give me a guy who averaged nearly 15 rebounds a game his senior year, and maybe this was a popular answer from the from the look Logan's giving me right now, but give me the rebounding ability of none other than Dresden, Tennessee's own Ronald Popeye Jones. Well, I'm down to one remaining uh, <laughs> attribute. Uh, so Blakely, who would you give that rebounding prowess to on this year's team? You, you know, I think the easy answer for me to say is Jamari. Um, 
He doesn't quite obviously have the same body, and Jamari's going to play a lot away from the basket this year from what it seems like. But Jamari's all, already a guy that we know can score on on the offensive side. He had 19 points last night and, and averaged nearly 19 all of last year. And that's something that Popeye did. Uh, his senior year, he averaged 21 a game on the on the offensive side. Uh, he averaged 20 his junior year and 19 his sophomore year. So to couple that with 14 a game, I mean, if you're averaging 20 and 14, you're player of the year in every single conference in America, uh, pretty much. So just to have that kind of game changer, we've not had a guy that can rebound like that. Well, since 1992 with, with Popeye. So he would be a guy that would have to share the load because it doesn't seem like we, we're going to have to get really good at rebounding from the guard guard spot this year. Cause I don't see, uh, you know, the proverbial space jam basketball giving, uh, anybody Popeye talent this year for the racers. But, um, I, I, that, that's who I would probably give it to. That was also at the top of my list as well. So I think we can all agree. We need some help rebounding, but Logan, let's talk about Austin's pick here a little bit more. So Popeye, we know a guy from, from Dresden, a local guy wasn't highly recruited, but ended up signing with the racers, but a guy who once he put on the racer uniform was, was a star, um, pretty much from the get go. But, uh, something that I guess less, less known about Popeye that it's well-documented. Uh, you can read a lot about it in the banner years book was obviously he had some, some weight to shed his freshman year. So, um, what did he do? He ran routes for the football team. The quarterbacks would get their throwing in by running by uh, Popeye Jones running routes and, and tossing him the pigskin. So he had great hands. Also, fun fact that Popeye Jones played shortstop for a team that went to to uh, for a for a Dresden high school team that went to the state tournament um, in Tennessee. So he had great hands. So I think Jamari really actually has some pretty great hands, and we also know he's he's got a really great body already to, to play the position. So I think that would that would fit him really well. Yeah, I agree. I believe me, I would love for Jamari to have Popeye's rebounding ability or anybody um, that ever wears a racer uniform. But uh, the player that I thought I wanted to have Popeye's rebounding ability was Marlon Liston. He's he's a big old boy. He's uh, a little rough around the edges, like we talked about uh, last week. But not just uh, giving him that ability to where he is such a force in the game and has to play. But being able to move Jamari to a four spot is something that I would love to see. Um, just his ability to stretch the floor. And uh, I, I understand that playing five outs useful, um, but I think Jamari, he's able to guard fours. He can uh, stretch it out. And if they're playing a smaller guy on him, he can kind of take advantage of them as well. So, I was wanting to give that to Marlon Leston, just kind of deepen our front court um, a little bit. I love it. Uh, if Logan, if you want me to go next, I'll be happy to do so. So this team has so much uncertainty. And, uh, and to, in my opinion, we haven't really got to know them all that much just yet, uh, to know them from a stylistic standpoint to how they want to play as a team. So what do I want? I want Brian Moore to embody the swagger and the flow of Cameron Payne. I want him to come out and play with pace, uh, to play within an, uh, to, uh, with with the swagger and, and intensity that we haven't had since uh, since job. But Cam was was even more um, elevated in that regard. So Cam was a 
a guy that every opposing team hated. Uh, he was he had to be the most hated player in the OVC for the two years he was here and beyond for all the other teams we we matched up against um, his freshman and sophomore seasons before he went in the lottery to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think Brian has got a great chance to be able to be the starting point guard for the Racers, and in my opinion, probably before the start of December. Um, and so with that being said, I really I love Cam's flow within the offense. He was never an over athletic type of guy. Brian actually is really athletic, but Cam had some of those. Uh, limitations while he was here um, and but he still had played with such pace within the offense that he knew how to get inside how to how to get guys open and how to score uh, in transition and if we had some of that for for Brian I think that'd be great but what I love already is I think that truly is in his DNA so I think that that this could be a possibility that we can see through fruition uh, with Brian just being a sophomore yeah, I like that because because Brian's going to have the game and it, it's going to come uh, to him once he gets more up to speed to the Division One college basketball level. And he's not far off now, I don't think. I was when you were talking, I was like, it would be good if Rob Perry could embody that, but I think Rob's already got some of that because I watched him every time he went down the floor and stood in the corner talking to the St. Louis bench all night long. So you know that Rob's going to be a guy already this year that that everybody's going to dislike, but you know he's all he's got another year on on Brian as well. But um, as we see Brian grow and mature, I and I hate to steal this and go another way, I could almost see him having a sophomore to junior year jump like Juice Hill did last year. Uh, Juice was a guy who who struggled for the Racers his first year here, uh, but obviously took a tremendous jump into last year and was the OVC tournament MVP and and probably the MVP of our NCAA tournament two games last year as well um, as he really shines. So, and that's why is it uh, playing in, in the SEC this year, but um, I could see a lot of similarities with juice and Brian and it's not just their hair. Um, it's, it's their playing styles as well. And so if he can embody that swagger of cam and mirror it, mirror it with the the playing ability and, and the jump that he, he needs to take to be really that solid next Murray State racer PGU point guard. Um, I think that would make Brian a very, very complete player for the racers. Uh, what are your thoughts, Logan? Or Saul? Hey, I, I do want to say one thing, Austin. I, I agree with you 100%. I take what I love about us doing this podcast is that three or four guys call me the K after games now, which is great. And all, all three or four of the people I spoke to today said that that exact same thing is that, Hey, Brian's got the tools. It might take a little bit, but he can definitely have that, that juice seal type of, of, of jump and, and hearing it from you and hearing it unanimously across the board from three or four other individuals makes me feel really good about the fact that that's, that can happen. And, and we never we never truly got to see what what Juice could do um, because like you said he's gone so um, I think that we'll have a different opportunity with Brian um, and if we can do that I think that special things are on the horizon it's just going to take a little bit of time Logan well uh, I'm out of picks you're kidding no way so uh, to be fair I wasn't going to say swagger of campaign I was going to say passing ability. I don't think we have a truly great passer on this team. Uh, if we do, I just haven't really seen it yet. But um, somebody, you know, like Yuri Collins last night, who can just direct the offense and make people open just by their presence on the court. 
And so um, Campaign was really, really good at that. He always found the open man and um, into the latter part of his sophomore year, got to where wasn't turning the ball over very much, but creating a lot of offense um, through some pretty nifty and, and cool plays. So, um, but I won't, I'll move off to someone else and I wish I could find somebody that's not an NBA player, but just thinking about the roster we've got, I would love for Jacoby Wood to have Isaiah Cannon's range and be able to shoot from 27, 28 feet and be able to bring the defense out that far and be a threat. I think that would be huge for the racers to have somebody like that. And, you know, we've got Rob Perry. He doesn't really uh, care how far away from the basket he is. We saw him chuck a pretty deep three last night, but yeah, just having Jacoby Wood bringing the ball up the floor and having that patented Isaiah Cannon just shimmy into a jump shot from 30 feet and the crowd going wild, man, brings me back to the first coach prome era and uh, something I wish we had on this team. That's the beautiful thing about this topic is that all of these things could realistically happen. The, the Popeye one might be a little bit of a stretch just from physical limitations, but uh, for Brian and for Jacoby, those are true, true things that we could see come to light before their careers are over here at Murray State. I, I've seen Jacoby hit shots that are that are at Isaiah's range, and and you know he he's just going to take some time, like we said. So I'm excited to see what what that can look like before it's all said and done, because I think that. Um, there's definitely uh, some shadows of Isaiah Cannon to what you see with Jacoby. So uh, I would love to be able to see that uh, in real time action, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think what excites me about Jacoby is, is what we saw last night from him is not indicative of, of what you're going to see going forward. And, and just because what, what he's proven and the work he puts in, that's, that's just not going to happen. That's, I mean, everybody goes through slumps and, and he had a tough game. But everybody has tough games. It's just really unfortunate it fell and on on the first night. And he had a really tough assignment. I mean, we we talked about Yuri Collins a lot in this game. He had a really really tough assignment from the point guard uh, level. And so really his first college basketball game as a true point guard. So um, there's going to be growing pains, obviously. But um, hey, Logan, I know you said you hate to you hated to keep picking NBA players, but why go anywhere else when? You got the the highest level of playing right right here, so I'm sure we could have went way back in the Murray State rosters. You know, Logan, that you're you're big on the history and and the guys who started us back 90 years ago. Uh, so uh, there's probably some guys you could have pulled out then, but I'm glad we were able to pick some some guys that probably most everybody knows from from a fan base perspective that listens to the podcast. Um, Sawyer, one more you said you wanted to mention. Yeah, I want to mention this. This was my third pick in case you guys went before me, um, but I think it's really fun to talk about. Um, so my third pick would be for Rob Perry to get a guy who's really, really close to him now with the program, Marcus Brown's volume scoring. Um, I hate to bring it up, but another NBA draft pick, you know, Marcus Brown taken by the Trailblazers in the second round of the 96 draft, um, two-time, all OB, uh, two-time OVC player of the year, Three straight OVC titles, 2,200 points. The the when he when he uh, left as a racer, he was number three all time in scoring, uh, and also he was the leader in steals. Um, he had a 45 point game, uh, which is still a single season single game record. Uh, because I think that we can we can see a little bit a bit a little bit of that from Rob now. Um, so 
how cool is it? How great is it that this team gets to um, get be coached day in and day out by a living racer legend? We haven't talked as much about Marcus, but he has so many great attributes that he brings to the table that that, that can be uh, shared and to to be learned from by every player on this roster. Um, that's something we we over we skip over quite a bit that I wanted to to put a little time on. So Logan, I know that you're close with with a lot of the stuff going around there. Um, with Rob, uh, you could talk about it there, or from a team perspective as a whole, uh, what Marcus Brown uh, has as an impact on this team. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, and it, it stinks that you keep bringing up all these NBA players. I, I hate that we've had so many draft picks, but I just think back to the other day. Um, I'm not sure if it was on YouTube or Twitter, but – Coach Prome interviewed Marcus and uh, Dante Poole. And if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. Um, and we can try and find a link and tweet it out. But uh, Coach Prome did an excellent job and, and kind of – it was on the court at Racer Arena where they interviewed them, and it kind of brought back that ambiance. And you could tell Marcus loved being there. And uh, Coach Prome asked him what his favorite game was that he played in at Murray state. And he said his senior night. And first of all, he said in the first half, he struggled and had 10 or 12 points, something like that. And I thought, what a ridiculous statement. And, uh, he said his dad told him in the tunnel to calm down at halftime. And he came back out and had 38 points or something like that for the game. And just having somebody that can do that outside of jaw, we haven't had that in such a long time that, day in and day out is going to put in 20-something points every night. And uh, could you imagine guys scoring 22 and thinking, man, I had a rough game? I know you had those thoughts in high school, Logan, you know, when you would only score 22. That that was a pretty tough game for you and the Tigers. But, you know, just, just looking at these these stats from Marcus, and, uh, you know, he, he averaged 26 his senior year. Unbelievable, right? Uh, but just looking at the the the, the – the years that he played. And I guess I never realized that Popeye graduated as a senior and got drafted. And that very next year was Marcus's first year in the program. So, I mean, talk about obviously why the nineties were so dominant for the racers. And, and really when Murray state took that, the, the first step of the huge building block that's been building here for the last 30 years or so um, to what it's become today. So what, what an what an impressive foundation for for what's happened today, just with with two players. And there there was a lot more. Don't get me wrong, um, but uh, in the '90s, uh, the Aubrey Reese's of the world, and 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 some of those guys as well. But but what an impressive eight year building block from from Popeye to Marcus. It kind of reminds me of Isaiah to Cam to Jaw and 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 that lineage and stuff. So it it just shows you that as soon as we lose one guy. It's next man up, and I have no doubt that's exactly what this racer team's going to see as we lose the greats of Tevin uh, Brown, who was one of the the the. I mean, he's got more championships than than about anybody uh, in Murray State history, right? So, who's that next guy that's going to step up and be the prolific scorer? And I know we'll only have Rob for a couple years, but he's he's a guy that could that could really take that role and take that persona. Yeah, Logan, like you mentioned, we're just so rich 
we have such a rich history of so many great players. I mean, the guys we could have selected just are are go on and on and on. If you think about, you know, you might might have wanted somebody with Shaq Buchanan's defense, with Juwan Long, with Ivan Askins post skills, with Jonathan Stark, uh, Isaac Spencer, like Austin, like you said, Aubrey Reese, um, DT Mays, uh, Jeff Martin. I mean, the list goes on. Benny Purcell even had so many tremendous qualities um, that could Fran be Fran Fan, yeah, Fran Watchers as well. I mean. Uh, the list goes on and on. So we're just so blessed. And any time that I can dust off the Banner Years book and, and bring it up for discussion to to talk about, to to bring that to the forefront of the Racer Nation, uh, it's mine. I'm going to do it. So um, just so we're just so blessed as fans. And, and what's so exciting is that we're a part of it right now uh, and that we're going to be able to see history unfold. And, and like I mentioned earlier in the podcast is that we've got such a long way to go. Um, and the journey is going to be rocky, but I know it's going to be so awesome and so worth it. So I can't wait to see where this team goes before the end of the season is over. Well, Sawyer, thank you so much for bringing bringing the Saw selection back. And, and to, to reiterate, like Sawyer said, please get involved with us uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. I know our Facebook doesn't really do a lot, uh, which is kind of funny. We don't put much time into it, but Twitter is usually uh, the best place to interact with us is uh, – it's easiest for us to to get back and forth with fans and stuff, which we really enjoy. But uh, yeah, who who do you think? I'm sure I guarantee you there's somebody we missed. So please tell us how bad a job we did and, and who we missed and and what would uh what would really make this team uh what quality would make this team a lot better. So um, as we move from one fan favorite sec, uh, segment to the next, Logan, I'm gonna send it over to you for this week's version of Logan's Listener of the Week. Thank you, Austin. So this week's Logan's Listener of the Week is Weston Harper. So I was uh, I was out and about in Murray uh, last week, and, and somebody said, I hear you all the time. I hear your voice all the time. And I thought, that is not something you hear every day, uh, but totally forgot that we have tens of thousands of listeners and we are media personalities um, until then. She said, my boyfriend constantly listens to your podcast. And this young lady was talking about Weston. And I thought, what a great man. This guy knows what he's doing. Uh, just just love that um, we have students at Murray State tapped into the Racer Nation podcast. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but kind of feel old and washed up sometimes and see kids. And I think they should just be there at the Murray state basketball game instead of, you know, playing tennis or whatever. Uh, they need to be out there supporting their boys. Um, and Weston's been to a lot of games. I know I saw him and his girlfriend there uh, multiple times last year. And so glad that we have students that still have that racer spirit and uh, just wanted to say thanks Weston. And it's so cool, Weston. Thanks for listening. And and, and as the, we get the younger fan fan base engaged, that is the future of Murray State athletics, and that's something I've talked to you guys about some. And and hopefully when we get Nico on the show and and some of uh, some of the other guys talking in the athletic department, is that's what we have to invest in. Is I know we we're the we're not the big donors and everything right now, but but one of these days we will be. And so really building up that younger fan base. And that's something I saw at the St. Louis game last night as a 
a lot of young folks. So that was super encouraging as well. But yeah, Logan, like you said, uh, we do feel old and washed up sometimes. And it's funny doing this podcast. Uh, we were at the game last night with some folks and uh, uh, one of Brennan's friends was like, uh, do you know so-and-so? I was like, no, I, I've never heard of that name. And they're like, well, they know you because they listen to the Racer Nation podcast. So that makes you a celebrity. They're like, that's how you know you're a celebrity. If you don't know somebody, they know you. And I was I was blown away and a little embarrassed, to be honest with you. My, I think my cheeks probably got red a little bit. But it's uh, I know we talk about it all the time, but amazing what uh, what this podcast has done and, and the opportunities it's it's given us. First off, Weston, you're the man. Um, so glad that you're the listener of the week. But Austin, to kind of echo your point, it's been so much fun for uh, the three of us to connect with Racer Nation and to see how far it truly goes. I look at the analytics each episode, and we're still getting listens from like from Spain, um, from France, from uh, almost every continent. We're getting a listen from, which is absolutely insane. Um, so it's it's crazy that it's, it, it, it is what it is. Um, and I just am so thankful that the people are enjoying it, that you've stuck around and have, have had so much fun with it. Uh, it's been such a blessing to us and, and we're so glad that we can provide a little bit of, of fun for everybody and keep everybody engaged in Racer Nation. Once again, congratulations, Weston, uh, just to keep the, the, the fun vibes going. There are two really fun things that I wanted to, to talk about this episode that, uh, that, that probably wouldn't be discussed anywhere else outside of here and. And number one is something that's absolutely major, and that is that um, Racer Racing Racer alum Parks Frazier is going to be the de facto offensive coordinator and play caller for the Indianapolis Colts this weekend. Um, Logan, I don't know if you ever played any pickup with Parks. I played with him all the time in college. He's a fantastic guy. I was a member of the Sigma Chi fraternity. So I, uh, being a, Austin and I being uh, backdoor neighbors to him in, this, in different fraternities, we we got to see each other quite a bit. I uh, had a few classes with Parks. He's an awesome guy, great guy. And now all of Racer Nation gets to be Colts fans this weekend, which is really cool. And the fact that, that he's such a young guy, uh, he's only, I think the, the reports are that he's 30, um, getting to be the play caller in the NFL is just absolutely amazing. There's no telling where his future can go um, in the NFL from, from this spot. Um, and, and that's just such an incredible piece of, of, of what we've got going on as far as the young racer alumni um, in our area. So Austin Logan, uh, I know you guys saw that today. How awesome is it that Parks is now uh, the play caller for the Indianapolis Colts? That's amazing. Awesome is an understatement there, Sawyer. And, and back in the day, I was a huge Colts fan, and I guess I can uh, bring out my old hat and old jersey. I I was, still am, I guess, a huge Peyton Manning fan. So when he when he uh, played there, obviously, and, and won a Super Bowl, I, I loved the Colts back then and don't really follow NFL as much anymore. But this gives me an opportunity and a reason to uh, to turn on the Colts this weekend and hopefully watch their offense do some great things. I know they're, they're struggling there in Indianapolis, but, uh, you know, that's why they make coaching changes. And hopefully they can uh, turn it around and spark a little bit of offense. But, yeah, young alumni doing doing great things. Yeah, I, heard, I hadn't heard Parks' name in a while, and so uh, kind of made me think to look him up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did play basketball with that guy back in college. Uh, like you said, Sawyer, a really good guy. And one thing I thought's pretty cool is, obviously, Murray State's got a lot of history with the NBA, and um, just a couple weeks ago, we have a, a Murray State alum, 
umpire a Major League Baseball World Series game, and now we've got uh, Murray State alumni in the NFL calling plays. Pretty cool. Yeah, the, the Racer Alumni Association better watch out. Before too long, we might be on ESPN with the Racer Nation podcast. You just never know uh, the way things are going, which is which is awesome. If we end up on ESPN, it's probably not for a good reason. So um, hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> Somebody may end up taking Blakely's spot as top donor. <laughs> <laughs> the other piece I wanted to shout out was uh, our loyal listener, Stephen Carmen. Uh, anything that I talked about from the SLU side, as far as from the preview or, or post game, is all uh, based on conversations I've had with him. Uh, St. Louis uh, native now with Austin. Uh, and shout out to, to Steven. Uh, big, big deal today. He won a signed jersey on Twitter um, through FanDuel from Desmond Bain of the Grizzlies, which I thought was really, really awesome. So shout out to Steven, uh, doing amazing things as an attorney in downtown St. Louis. So wanted to, to, get, to give you a quick shout out as well. Before we wrap up, before the Lindsey Wilson game this Saturday, uh, the last um, shout-outs we wanted to give was to the Murray State women's soccer team. Uh, came out of nowhere uh, to play in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference Championship game uh, this past Sunday and fell short, uh, but played absolutely tremendously from the eighth seed to make it to the championship. was absolutely phenomenal, um, which we're all extremely, extremely proud of. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the women have a game this Thursday morning at 11 o'clock, a matinee. So take your lunch break, come out and watch the Lady Racers. Last year it set their attendance record, which was 1,109 fans. Um, I think it might be my single mission on the podcast this year is to try to break that record uh, at, a, at a certain game coming up this year. So um, be on the lookout for that. But uh, if, you, if you, your plans are free on Thursday afternoon, come and see me. I'll be there. Um, watching and supporting the the Lady Racers at 11 o'clock um, Thursday afternoon. Um, but also, I'll swing it back to you. Logan Sawyer, I know you guys don't do anything at work, so y'all will have no problem making that Thursday matinee game. So, um, you know, guys like myself, we we got to hold it down and keep airplanes going out the door. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it or probably watch it. But um, before we wrap up to giving shout-outs, I had the opportunity last week to – a pretty unique opportunity to go on a different podcast. I'm a little late to listen to it now because it was around the St. Louis game, but Carter Chapley of the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which is a large newspaper publication here in St. Louis, he actually covers the Cardinals, which I thought was pretty cool. He goes from interviewing um, Albert Pujols and, and Adam Wainwright to me, so I you know, I feel bad for his career. Unfortunately, that's uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum. But um, like we just got done talking about cool opportunities that this podcast has afforded us to do. Um, let lets me go on his show. It played on the radio and, and on his podcast as well. But talk a little bit about the racers for him. So thanks. Shout out to him. Like I said, a little too late for all the racer fans to go check it out now as the game already happened. But I wanted to shout him out before we wrapped up. And with that, guys, um, I think we will wrap up. Had a lot of fun chatting today. Uh, it seems like already forever ago now that we talked about St. Louis as, as we're over an hour into this podcast. But that just means we kind of put that to bed. We don't have to talk about that game anymore the rest of the year. And it's all all brighter days ahead for, for the racers. And now all we got to do is just win every single other game this year. And we will we will be rolling straight to the NCAA tournament. So looking forward to that. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys listening to us. I know now there are... Um, opportunities, other opportunities to to get your Murray State fix with some other podcasts. It's funny how 
the success we had last year. Now everybody has a podcast, but um, appreciate you guys sticking with us. Our numbers have grown episode over episode, especially compared to last year. So we know that you guys are loving us and hopefully we keep producing the content that, uh, that you guys like. So please always reach out, tell us what we can do better, uh, engage with us on social media and, and uh, we will keep producing the best Murray state basketball content there is. So with that, let's uh, roll it into the the next game. Lindsey Wilson, Saturday night. Hopefully everybody can come out before our big test next week that we're going to talk about with the South Carolina NTE. So Sawyer, as always, send them off. Go Racers. Go Racers. Go Racers.